live from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County. It's time to be fackish. Access granted. Good people of Florida, thanks for joining us for yet another episode of Fackish. You've got Jared and Sarah on the air, and we are counting down the days. Uh, we are on the home stretch of this legislative session, and there are a lot of moving parts to talk about. So, Sarah, how would you like to kick us off this week? Yes, there were a lot of important bills up this week, pushing through these last committee stops. Let's start with one that we have been following for a while, and that is the local preferencing bills. That's HB 383 Public Construction by Representative Griffiths and SB 346 Public Construction by Senator DeSigley. They were heard in their last committee stops, House State Affairs and Senate Rules. Both bills did pass unanimously. The Senate version, SB 346, passed after two amendments by the sponsor with, were withdrawn. The language that ended up being withdrawn dealt with prohibiting a local government from setting a prevailing or living wage on construction-related public works projects paid for with state or local appropriated funds. Basically, a local government may, would not be able to require a contractor, a subcontractor, or a material supplier to pay its employees a certain predetermined amount by a local government. The sponsor did end up luckily withdrawing that amendment and the bill stays as it was in the second committee that we ended up supporting, which again, removed the local dollars from the public works definition, only affecting state appropriated dollars. The House version HB 383 by Representative Griffiths passed a delete everything amendment that somewhat matched the Senate bill um, again, defying a public works project is any activity that is paid for with any state appropriated funds. One part of this bill, though, that is a concern is the bill prohibits a political subdivision from requiring an entity to dedicate funds or make expenditures for art in public places that exceeds the amount required for the acquisition of works of art for state buildings. There is an exception for the original construction of a government building that provides public access, but both the House and Senate bills will now move to the floor. Fact did thank the sponsors and committee for the revisions and the withdrawn amendments that were made during this stop. So we will see what happens on the floor with those two bills. Thank you, Sarah. Well said. Moving on, we saw uh, HB 1343 Aglands by Representative Tuck pass its last committee of reference, that was House Infrastructure Strategies, this week, and it now moves to the House floor. Uh, this version and its Senate counterpart have been kind of trending in different directions. We actually had the pleasure of supporting uh, the latest amendment to the House bill. Uh, just to recap, both bills would limit, uh, but to different extents, a county from levying special assessments on any land classified as agricultural land. Now, the Senate version prohibits such levies altogether, uh, and the REC picked up about a $24 million price tag uh, for local governments on this one. Now, the House language has been amended. Uh, and has the fact seal of approval on it. It carved out any levies that were bonded, uh, attached any sort of debt service. Uh, and in addition to that, it also clarifies that the prohibition does not apply to non-agricultural structures on the property. 
Uh, so whether it's residential or non-residential structures, those are still eligible for uh, whether it's you know fire assessments, that sort of deal. Um, so that was language that FACT supported and got uh, added to the bill. Uh, on the Senate side, uh, that was not heard this week. However, they are starting to hedge their bets on this one a little bit. Uh, the language of concern was actually added to the Senate tax package as well. That's SB 7062, and it looks exactly the same. It would just completely prohibit a county from levying special assessments on ag land. Uh, so we're going to be kind of fighting that war on two fronts going forward, but hopefully we can uh, get them to accommodate as Representative Tuck did. Thank you, Jared. And next up, we had bills that we have been following all session long. We've been working really hard on these. These are the local occupational licensing bills. We have had some things shift since the last time we talked about these bills. You'll recall that SB 1570 by Senator Hooper, the last committee just extended that ex um, expiration date on occupational licensing to 2024. However, both bills are now changing. They're trying to solve the problem somewhat here in the last two weeks. HB 1383 specialty contractors by Representative Trabolsi in its current form in a delete everything amendment that was filed. Any local government licensing of occupational programs will expire on January 1st, 2024. By January 1st, 2024, the Construction Industry Licensing Board shall establish certified specialty contractor categories for voluntary licensures for all of the following. I'm going to go through them quickly because they're different in the House and Senate version. So in the House version, it's structural aluminum or screen enclosures, marine seawall work, marine bulkhead work, marine dock work, marine pile driving, structure, structural masonry, structural press, pre-stress, pre-cast concrete work, rooftop solar heating installation, structural steel, window and door installation, including garage door installation and hurricane or windstorm protection, and plaster and lath. Additionally, a county which includes an area that is designated as an area of critical state concern may offer a license for any job scope which requires a contractor license under this part if the county imposed a license requirement before January 1st, 2021. A local government may continue to offer a license for fence installation and erection if the local government imposed such a licensing requirement before January 1st, 2021. And a local government may not require a license as a prerequisite to submit a bid for a public works project. Next up, the Senate version 1570 pushes that expiration date back to July 1st, 2024 of any local government licensing programs differing from the House version again, which is January 1st, 2024. By July 1st, 2024, the Construction Industry Licensing Board must establish the following job scopes for voluntary licensure, and it includes... A lot of the same as the house bill, quickly, fence installation, marine bulkhead work, marine dock work, marine pile driving, marine seawall work, plaster and lath, rooftop painting, coating and cleaning above three stories, rooftop solar heating installation, structural aluminum or screen enclosures, structural carpentry, structural pre-stressed precast concrete work, structural masonry, structural steel work, veneer including aluminum or vinyl gutters, siding, fascia or soffit, window and door installation, including garage door installation or hurricane, windstorm 
protection. It also includes the critical state concern and the public work bid um, prohibitions that the House version includes. So we continue to monitor these bills. Obviously, we're supporting 1570 in committee. It is pushing that expiration date a little farther than the House bill. So we shall see what happens. The House bill still has one more committee stop and the Senate bill will be moving to the Senate floor. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, something that has a lot of momentum right now is the pair of vacation rentals bills. The legislature has been trying to move on these uh, this, this concept for a number of years now, and it looks like they might just be headed to the governor's desk this year finally. Uh, just to recap, the bills would preempt the licensing of public lodging and food service establishments to the state, as well as preempt the local government regulation of vacation rental advertising platforms. Uh, in addition to that, it does authorize counties to establish a registration program for local vacation rentals, uh, as well as charge a nominal fee for registration. As of recent amendments, uh, the caps on those fees have gone up, uh, so that is something that is trending in the right direction. Both the House and Senate sponsor raised the caps to $150 for an individual registration or $200 for a collective one. Uh, so we are pleased to see that, obviously, but uh, you know, still a lot of problems within this bill going forward. Uh, the Senate version, SB 714 by Senator DeSigley, uh, passed the Appropriations Committee on Ag, Environment, and General Government earlier on Tuesday. Uh, meanwhile, the House counterpart, HB 833 by Representative Duggan, passed its final committee that was Commerce, and it now heads to the House floor. So we will keep our eye on those. And next up, we have a preemption that we are on watch for. This is a minimum wage preemption. So a little similar to what we saw in the local preferencing bill that ultimately got withdrawn. This week, an amendment was adopted on HB 917, state minimum wage by Representative G. Lombardo, that would prohibit political subdivisions through their purchasing or contracting procedures to affect the wages or employment benefits provided by vendors, contractors, service providers, or either party doing business with a subdivision. This includes evaluation factors, qualification of bidders, or award preferences on the basis of wages or employment benefits. Due to a title change within the bill, the bill was temporarily postponed in its last committee, House Commerce, on Monday. And the Senate companion, which is SB 892 by Senator Martin was passed in its last committee this week, Senate rules. However, it does not contain the language prohibiting prevailing or living wages for its contractors. So we are watching the Senate bill and also what happens with this House bill because we are very concerned about that wage preemption on that. And circling back to the tax package, uh, the Senate now has their tax package out um, has a lot of the similar provisions as far as sales tax holidays go to the House version that came out about a week or so ago. Uh, as I mentioned, the Senate tax package also includes language from the Ag Lands bill um, prohibiting those special assessments on Ag Lands. In addition to that, it also includes language from SB 698 by Senator Ingolia, which would require that any referendum uh, for a handful of specified local taxes must coincide with a general election. Not only that, but uh, you may counties would only be authorized to place such referenda on the ballot 
once every 48 months uh, prior to implementation of the tax. Uh, FAC has opposed both of these sections throughout their lifespan this session and we'll continue to try and you know get these removed from the tax package. Now a lot of the sales tax provisions and tax holidays are more or less inevitable within this bill. Uh, the expected non-recurring impact to counties for this particular package was about 170 million dollars uh, and something else of note within the measure would in Something else of note within the measure is a rate freeze on local communication service tax rates until 2026. Obviously, the impact as determined by the REC was zero for this one because, uh, you know, they can't just assume that counties are going to raise those rates. Uh, however, it would prevent counties from increasing those CST rates until January 1st, 2026. Thanks, Jared. And another big bill that we had up this week, there's quite a bit, was the Comprehensive Plan Legislation, which is HB 439 Land Use and Development Regulations by Representative McLean and SB 1604 Land Use and Development Regulations by Senator Angolia. The original bill, you'll recall, significantly impact the community planning Act and comprehensive plans, a delete everything amendment was filed that reduced the bill to the following issues that we've talked about. This was in the previous committee, changing those um, required planning periods from a 10 year and a 20 year period. Um, and then of most concern, the bill in section four removed the ability of local governments to require certain building design elements to single family or two family dwellings located in a plan unit development or master planned community the bill limits the application of those elements in communities with a design review board or architectural review board to those who had such a board before january 1st 2020 a few amendments were adopted on hb 439 this week that included the following entities the holder of any transportation or road impact fee credits to their full benefit even if the county rescinds concurrency it allows the de developer with less than 25 percent of affordable units to expand the development into adjacent property as long as it remains 25 percent affordable and all the land uses provisions that are consistent it revises the definition of distribution electron electric substation and finally it precludes an independent special district from complying with the terms of any development agreement or other agreement for which a development agreement served as consideration this has to do with reedy creek so the senate companion did not have any of the amendments except the independent special district and development agreement amendment added on both bills are now heading to the house and senate floor we obviously still do have some concerns surrounding section four of the bill with these um mpc and puds but there's a lot of stakeholders involved on these two bills there's a lot of amendments popping up so in the next two weeks we will see what happens as these move to the floor next up we had the massive water quality legislation that moved in both senate and house committees that's SB 1632 by Senator Broder, and the House Companion is HB 1379 Environmental Protection by Reps Oberdorf and Steele. One amendment was adopted in the House that expands the land acquisition component of the bill, adding the entirety of HB 7047. 
It also ensures that Florida Forever program re receives consistent funding by appropriating $100 million annually to DEP. But you'll recall these bills are the Department of Environmental Protection bills to make significant changes to the on-site sewage treatment and disposable systems, changes to the water changes to the wastewater grant program, updates to the comprehensive plan capital improvement element, it establishes the Indian River Lagoon Protection Program and more. And you can see the full description on our website of those two bills. Back on the Senate side, we saw the E911 package uh, pass its second Senate committee this week. That was the Senate Appropriations Committee on Ag, Environment, and General Government on Tuesday. The bill would revise the distribution formula for the Emergency Communications System Fund. Long story short, to fund E911 systems around the state, voice communication service providers charge a fee to all of their subscribers, uh, and these fees, once collected, are then distributed to counties, among other entities. Uh, under current law, counties receive 76% of the distributions for the wireless category. Um, that is in statute. However, apparently many counties have been receiving more than that 76% rate. Um, <clears throat> So the latest committee substitute language would increase this allocation to 95% just to kind of more closely match what we have been seeing in reality and codify it. Uh, additionally, the bill modifies the powers and composition of the E911 board. Now, under current law, the board consists of a system director as well as 10 members appointed by the governor, five of whom are county folks. This would cut those numbers to eight appointees and four county representatives. So something of note there. The House bill by Representative McFarland, that's HB 745, was not heard this week. However, that remains on the floor and is in the home stretch here. And I would be remiss if I did not congratulate Representative McFarland on a beautiful baby boy this past week. And next up, we had a few agriculture bills that we have been following this whole session and supporting. That is HB 1209, Department of Economic Opportunity by Representative Schoaf, SB 1664, Economic Development by Senator Hooper, and SB 1482, Rural Development. We've talked about these bills on a lot of our pad podcasts. You can read the full summary of what each of these bills do. They're making changes, um, benefiting rural economic development. We have supported them all the way through and... SB 1664 and SB 4082 will move to their last Senate stop, Senate fiscal policy. They're actually up on next week. And the HB 1209 passed unanimously in its last committee stop, so that will move to the floor. Now, all session, we have been following SB 250. That is uh, the Emergency Management and Post-Disaster Guidelines. And this bill recently got a House companion, that is HB 7057, Natural Emergencies by Representative G. Lombardo, and it passed its first committee, that was House Appropriations, on Monday. Uh, most notably in this very long, comprehensive bill is that it would prohibit counties from prohibiting the placement of a temporary shelter, you know, this could mean an RV, a trailer, or a similar structure, on residential property for up to 36 months or until a certificate of occupancy is issued on that property again uh, following a declared natural disaster. That was something we wanted to get into in the bill was that it must be a declared natural disaster and not people just, you know, 
making that term up for themselves. Uh, in addition to that, the bill would prohibit a county within 100 miles of the landfall area of either Hurricane or Hurricane Ian or Nicole from this past September from adopting comprehensive plan amendments or particular land use regulations that are more burdensome or restrictive than those allowed within the statute. Okay, and the last thing that we're gonna mention for the week is a bill that I'm sure a lot of you are following, which is term limits. So as you know, in the Senate version by Senator Ingolia, the bill is establishing term limits for county commissioners of eight years along with district school board members. This week, however, the House Bill 477 by Representative Rizzo was placed on Senate rolls for Monday at 1 p.m. So the House version does not include the eight years for county commissioners. Now, that doesn't mean that amendment won't be filed on it. So we are closely watching this bill. But as of right now, it looks like the House bill is moving in the Senate and we will see what happens next week on the bill. But we wanted to inform you all on what was happening with that bill. And to clarify, it is it is the district school board members who are in the crosshairs on that one rather than the county commissioners as of right now. But we have to stay on our toes. <clears throat> Perhaps the most important development of the week, Senator Angolia has proposed that we ban 4.45 a.m. emergency <laughs> alerts. And I think that is something we can all get behind. Uh, so, you know, let's see if we can find a house sponsor for that thing. Well, that just about wraps us up for this week. We have got two weeks left, so we are really getting there. Uh, 14 days. Um, but Sarah, why don't you give us a little inspiration to you know, send us off to the weekend. Yeah, we'll have to get through these next weeks as amendments will probably be flying at us. We will be in the Capitol for the next two weeks straight. So with that, it's not the critic who counts, not the person who points out how the strong person stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the person who is actually in the arena. And folks, we'll see you at the Capitol. That is us. That is you guys. Thanks for listening. Look for Budget Conference on Monday, and we will see you guys next week. See ya.